Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Today, I am here with Father Gregory Pine. Father Gregory, what's up? <laughs> um, not much. Um, well, let's see. I actually have done things that involve me leaving my desk, which is noteworthy, which is remarkable, which is interesting, to use three neutral adjectives. Um, but I went to uh, Adderay Festival, which is like a national congress or national conference of these different charismatic prayer groups uh, for like young people rave, throughout right? Switzerland. It's like yeah, it was like a rave. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't actually know that I recognize the second word that you said, but yes, it was definitely okay. like that as well. Um, but it was, uh, it was in this place called Zug, which is the German word for train, but it was a city, not a train, which is misleading. Um, and it was great. So I gave a talk and then preached at mass. Uh, the mass was in German, so I didn't concelebrate and I just celebrated a mass later in a language that I know somewhat better. Um, but uh, yeah, there are a lot of like really young, excited, devout Catholics there. And um, sometimes in the European church, you have the impression that um, things are kind of tough or the prospects are kind of grim. So to find like a kind of Swiss catacomb in which uh, the faith was very vibrant for me was, was super delightful, super energizing. So I am jazzed about that. Um, although jazz, I guess, would be like a natively American music form. So maybe that's a bad way to describe my experience. Nonetheless. I was delighted. How are you? Oh, the better for your asking. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I didn't go to a sort of Catholic Coachella. That's a big music festival. That's not a rave, but it's a big music festival. Never been. I don't know anything really more about it than the name, um, which is more than Father Gregory, apparently. Uh, I don't know what's been going on here in my life, but it's been fine. Fall is kind of set in in D.C., and um, daylight savings is about, and that's that's kind of it, I guess. Kind of exciting. I don't know. Thanksgiving's yeah. coming up. Uh, yeah. That's kind of cool. So yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all. Um, which is fine. It's good. So each morning <laughs> I wake up and say, "It's good, Lord. It's good to be here," <laughs> and He says, "Indeed." And then we carry uh -huh. on. So, um, but. We're not here to talk about what I say to the Lord when I wake up. We're here to talk about the topic of today's episode, which does involve our Lord, um, but less about waking up and more about our Lord's love and providence and predestination. So uh, what we want to talk about today is the question of God's love um, for us, really. Um, does God love us? Hmm? Probably. Uh, hopefully. Um, but does God love us more or less? Is there a sort of, uh, I don't know, difference between the way in which God loves us? And then also the question, so if yes, hint, spoiler, spoiler alert, yes, but how? Um, if yes, then how does that, how should that affect our, our relationship with him and our relationship with others? Um, so Father Gregory, set the scene. Why are we, yeah, is, is this just something we're making up? Maybe, is it just something that I, you know, am saying to feel better about myself or not? <laughs> yes, both and totally for sure. Um, totes my goats. So I think just to approach the question itself is a little bit intimidating 
because certainly it's a question that some people are asking, maybe not all people are asking, but some people are asking, perhaps explicitly or maybe just implicitly, because we get the impression that human life isn't a mere matter of trying, because no matter how hard I try, I'll never be a professional basketball player, I will never be a gourmet chef, and you're like, you could just set your mind, no, it's, not, it's just not going to happen. My my sense of taste is terrible and I can't make out the difference between like sriracha and Frank's Red Hot. So the chances of me being a gourmet chef are zero. Um, so to whom do I attribute that? Well, I could lay it at the, you know, the doorstep of my parents for their whatever genetic contribution to my terrible palate. But ultimately, you know, you can kind of bring it back to God and say, I am who I am because God gave me to be this way. And that seems to signify that, that God's giving his gifts in a way that's not like democratic or in a way that's not um, uh, equally distributed across the board. And then that leads one to question, well, why? Okay, did I do something to merit less or did I do something to merit more? How do you account for this and how do I respond to it? Um, and I think that, you know, all of us want to be loved best. We want to be the favorite. We want to be distinguished in some way, shape or form, even if we're modest in our aspirations, like St. Therese is like, ah, I want to do small things. And then she says, with great love. Um, so, uh, so for us to kind of confront this question or to pose this question is a little bit of a, a terrible prospect because it involves us in, in some of the deepest desires of our heart with, you know, with the thought that might we be disappointed by God? So... Yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of how I think about it or how I envision it. But well, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think well that that question, you know, uh, might I be disappointed with God? Can also be uh, like phrased in the reverse order, not like literally the reverse order of the words, but in like subject object kind of reverse order. Um, is God disappointed in in me when I don't? Um, when I when I don't like live up to expectations, sort of thing, you know. There's a, there's this real comparison game that we often fall into in in life in general, in the spiritual life of am I am I doing like enough? Am I good enough? Am I um, as good as the person next to me or the person that I'm watching in the chapel? Am I as holy and and these sort of things? And then why not is is often a question. Like why can't as Father Gregory was explaining, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Um, and there, there, you know, we can, we see this in the letters of St. Paul when he talks about their, you know, the different members of the body and that the, the hand is not the head and the foot is not like the, the elbow. I don't think he says the elbow, but I was trying to think of another <laughs> body part quickly, but it is true that the foot is not the elbow. Um, but, but trying to, trying to sort of, I don't know, can we like advance in the spiritual life and particularly in, in sort of detachment in the spirit of detachment as we grow in the spiritual life has a lot to do with the way by which we view ourselves in comparison to others. I think, I think that's a big trap. So um, I guess uh, we can talk then as kind of moving more towards the, the subject of this question, which is probably too big for like 12 minutes or like 15 minutes on an episode of God's planning, but the question of predestination and the way by which we are sort of chosen, we could say, by God and and how God loves us and why he does the way that we do. Um, so I think on the one hand, we have to recognize that when we talk about predestination, um, Catholics do believe in predestination, not in double predestination in the sort of Calvinist sense that where, where they understand that God creates some people to save them and some people to, and some people to damn them. But in the sense that God does, you know, his, God's 
the working out of God's will um, involves this sort of foreknowledge of God. So he he knows. So let's talk a little bit about that. That sets the sets us up to talk about God's love for us. Then, yeah, I think a good lead into talking about predestination is just to talk briefly about providence. So we recognize the word; it just simply means that God provides. And when we get into fine shades of theological distinctions, we usually describe providence as uh, the notion that God has of how all things work together for the good. Basically, God knows each thing innermostly, and then he knows all the interactions of all the things, and he has one unified notion whereby he brings about the, the conducting of all things to himself. And that notion, right, it's, it's efficacious because God's knowledge is a causal knowledge. That's not to say that God forces everything to do what he wants in a kind of coercive way, but that God has a creative knowledge which gives things to be and which causes them to act in the way that befits them. So he causes rocks to be rocky and to act rockily, and he causes plants to be planty and to act plantily. And I'm not going to make eye contact with you because I know the chances of you making fun of me are exceedingly high right now. Um, so, uh, but then when it comes to his providence as it concerns us human beings, God knows us innermostly and he causes us to be and to act. And that takes into account everything. Which, which ultimately takes into account our final reckoning. It takes into account our eternal destiny. So again, God causes us to act freely. So he causes human beings to be human being-like and to act, as it were, like human beings, which means to be free. So God causes us to, to be free and to act freely. And as a result of which, we are, in a certain sense, quote-unquote, the masters of our fate, but all underneath the providence, the predestination of God from whom we receive every good and perfect gift. So there's a sense yeah. in which we are responsive, but yeah, that's not to, it's not to rob us of our place in the picture. It's just to invest us with a sense of where we fit. Yeah. And when we think about, I guess, predestination, providence, God's will, all these kind of terms, um, I often think of them in a, in a way like kind of from God into creation. So like, if we think about God himself, God is you know, he, he is knowledge and, and will. So God has a will and he, he creates from his will and from his knowledge. And as that, as, you know, in himself, he knows himself fully and, and loves himself fully. So there you have the will, but in, in the working out of, of the way by which, you know, creation comes, as Father Gregory was saying, comes to him, we generally call God's will in, in action, in creation, his, you know, divine providence, the way things work out. And then with respect to where we're going to our salvation, we can talk about God's will under providence with respect to our salvation as predestination. But all of that, as it comes, you know, moves from God into creation, into our end, into where we're going, um, we have to affirm uh, because of who God is and how God has revealed that God loves um, and, and knows and loves each of us concretely as individuals. Um, that, that what he gives us, as we're talking about, like, does God love some people differently or more or less uh, this, this like fundamental principle that God loves me in a in a way that's unique to me and in, 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 and in a way that is unique to bringing about my union and friendship with him and salvation and this is kind of where uh where where i guess clarity might come into this picture and i think it's good to set it out at the beginning that um you know we look at we can look at these great saints like father gregory mentioned saint therese um i i i'm not a a saint therese you know the in like the the grand scheme of like holiness and, and that sort of thing. But 
they're they're I still have to affirm that even though she's an incredible saint, you know, our Lord loves me as as only I could be loved by the Lord. So um, this concrete reality, direct relationship kind of thing is is an important thing to hang on to um, and, and to to recall as we talk about the way by which God kind of apportions and gives his love to us. So with with that, with that idea of sort of concrete uh re reality of god's love for me as a unique individual for father gregory probably as a certainly unique individual for you know the great <laughs> saints uh let's talk then specifically about love and the way by which god loves us as those individuals boom um so i think that when we ask the question or pose the question directly does god love some people more than others we want to be clear on what we mean by love and we're not going to do like a whole genealogy of love or a whole top-down explanation of the different forms of love, but just to describe how God loves and how that registers in God and how that registers in us. So when we talk about God, we talk about him as simple. So God doesn't have parts. So God doesn't have the aforementioned head and elbow that we covered at the top of the episode. Um, because God is to be. So God's very nature is to be. And all that there is of to be subsists in God. So God, yeah, he just exhausts all of being. Um, and so like, I kind of like one way by which to describe this is to say that God is his existence. But then when we talk about love, we would also want to say that God is his will. He is his act of willing. He is the object of his willing, which we can translate and say that God is his existence, is his loving, right? Is the object of his love. And as a result, when we, creation, are, are willed into existence, loved into existence, we're a kind of outworking of that divine love. So it's not something added to God, right? But it's something that kind of overflows from the bounds of the divine life. And that one act, that one simple act of God is just God, right? So, so God loves us all by that same act. And as a result of which, we are all loved equally by God insofar as we all issue from God's love, which is to say from God. But... That would be to describe it on the kind of subjective side, not to say that God is like subjective, uh, but in the sense that we're talking about it from his vantage. Uh, if we then take it from the vantage of us, the recipients of that love, we do remark or we do notice that he gives the, the gifts of his love, he apportions the gifts of his love in a way that's differentiated or variegated or make up another cool word that ends with gated. Uh, tailgated. Just kidding. Seriously, but seriously. Um, so God gives his love in a way that, um, yeah, that is distinct or uniquely suited to this, that, or the other object of his love. So he gives more gifts to some and fewer gifts to others. And in that way, we can say that, yes, God does love people differently. And, you know, we might even add God does love some people more than others. But since that's a terrible claim, we are going to take time to unpack it. So, yeah, I don't know where you want to turn next. We're going to turn to a break real quick. Uh, I'm not sure it's a terrible claim, but we'll, we'll leave the cliffhanger <laughs> for you all. So we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we'll investigate, talk a bit more about how it is that God loves um, in, in different ways, I guess, from our vantage point, as Father Gregory was saying. So uh, stay tuned and we'll be right back. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. 
all gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to Godsplaining. This is Father Jacob Bertrand. Uh, today, I'm with Father Gregory, and we're talking about, I guess, the, the sort of um, fear-instilling question, can God or does God love me less? Does he love me less than others? Can he love me less than others? As Father Gregory was explaining just before the break, it sort of depends, um, the answer depends on how you approach uh, the question. So he was explaining that from from God's point of view, because God is pure act, because he is, um, he is, as father was saying, to be he's, um, he's pure act, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing that can be added to God. And because he's pure act, all that he does, we can identify with him. So his knowing God is his knowing God is his loving. And because of that, God loves in a way uh, by which creation comes to be and exists and is sustained in being and is led back to him. But from our vantage point, we could see or say or um, observe that some people seem to have more gifts, talents, greater degrees of holiness, sanctity, less sanctity, less holiness. So perhaps in a way we could say that, yeah, God loves me less or you more. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk about how how that might be or how we can understand that a little bit better, I guess. Yeah, I think that um, sometimes when we start with a question, we suspect that we did something right to merit more or to merit less. And then we are instantly self-conscious or insecure on account of the fact that we could have done better or we ought to have done better. But I think that when we're talking about God's apportioning of gifts, God's not responsive to us in a way that he's like, well, like, is he going to make good use of this gift or, um, uh, you know, do, do I think he deserves this gift? No, God, God creates the very capacity for receiving the gift. So, you know, God isn't passive to us. God is, God is pure act, as they sometimes say in, you know, medieval theology conversations. Um, so when we talk about how God apportions his gift, we're talking about God in his wisdom sees fit to dole out his gifts for the glorification of, you know, his, his divine nature for the building up of the church, for the making manifest of glory. And when he does so, you know, like he does it, like we said, uh, by doing things differently. So just to kind of think, right, think, think at the outset of like the Blessed Virgin Mary. What did she do to merit the Immaculate Conception? <laughs> she wasn't even conceived yet. She couldn't have done anything because she wasn't, you know? So like God chose that she be conceived without sin because God thought that it would be wonderful because God wanted to make a fitting dwelling place for his divine son when he took human flesh, because God wanted to enrich the church with that marvel of grace, because God, you know, did it in light of the divine maternity and in light of her fullness of grace and in light of, you know, dot, 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 because you can see all these different interrelated doctrines and wonderful things that kind of converge in God's choice, because God freely chose to do it as he saw fit. And it's not the type of thing that he you know, sets off to one side and permits the Blessed Virgin Mary to rejoice at and permits her to kind of like hold it off at arm's length from the church. It's something that's for all and all of us rejoice in it insofar as we come to appreciate it as part of our common good. But that kind of gives us like a little icon of what I might mean to say that God, God chooses it, God gives it, it's for the person to whom he gives it, but it's also for the church who is enriched as a result. Um, and I think that might, I don't know, that might help us kind of set up the thought 
Well, it might set up the conversation for how we think about our own receiving of gifts or maybe how we see gifts apportioned in others, but that sparks some thoughts in you. Yeah, the, I think the, recognizing the way uh, or the fact that, that there are, you know, well, of course, the greatest of saints are, is our, our blessed mother. But then even if you look at other great saints that the church remembers and offers us um, as sort of a, like, I just think of the saints on the calendar that we have feast days and memorials for. Obviously, those saints don't exhaust uh, all of the saints in heaven. There are, there are other saints that aren't you know, on the general calendar, on the Roman calendar. Um, but each of them, they're, they're saints not because they've done the same thing. You know, they're saints not because uh, they have been sort of molded into the same kind of like cookie cutter kind of like disciple mold. And somehow, you know, that's what makes them great. great. They're saints and they're, they're what, you know, part of their greatness is, is found in their diversity and, and the way in the, in, the, in the different ways by which they manifest Christ to the world. And that requires um, for that to be real, for that to be true, that requires uh, a sort of different type or different way of God loving each of those saints. So even just looking at the saints, I think we see a reassuring example that God loves differently um, or gives different graces or blesses us with different sort of abilities, talents, gifts, however we want to call it. And I think however true that is for our, our blessed mother, however true it is, if we were to look at like the, the choir of saints, it's, it's true for us too. Um, even those of us who are kind of like on the way that, that our Lord uh, indeed has made us for himself and in making us for himself calls us to himself and gives us the graces to do that in ways as we, as we talked about earlier in the episode that are particular or unique to, to me, to you, to father Gregory. Um, and, and this might manifest itself in, in kind of great heroic, virtuous kind of ways that are, that are noticed by the world. And it might be just kind of simple and beautiful and humble ways that, that that's manifested. Um, I, I guess the, the fact that there's differences, the fact that there's diversity, the fact that there's an elbow and a head um, doesn't mean that the Lord is, is, is loving in ways that are insufficient for the individual. It doesn't mean that the Lord, because I'm not as, you know, universally, my holiness is not yet as universally recognized as like the likes of John Paul II or something like that. And it probably will never be. Uh, uh, that doesn't mean that, the, that somehow God is withholding himself from me. You know, that doesn't mean that somehow there's a lack or an insufficiency in, in what it is that the Lord is doing in my life, in your life, and, and these kind of things. It just works out in our Lord's providence and his and predestination that he he chooses to love some people in a particular way and others in another way, but not in a way that's that's lacking, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That yeah, that speaks to me in a big way. Um that encourages me in a big way. I think um yeah, I think if we have it in our minds that it's just a matter of our trying harder and our making grace to do heroic things at our beck and call, then there are two kinds of people. There's the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then there are failures, you know, uh, because there's a bunch of people who didn't quite make it as high or to as an exalted state as she did. But that's just that's just not true, because I think the Lord wants us to fit in a particular place, right, among the ranks of the Blessed. And there are certain things that we are called to do, which are particular to the place that we occupy. I was talking to somebody recently about this, and I've forgotten in what context. So if it's already on an episode of the podcast, my apologies for repeating myself. Um, but there was 
there's this one moment I was at St. Louis Bartrand in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was in the parish center because there was a music teacher who was having a recital for some of the kids that she taught uh, violin and viola. And there's this little girl, she might've been like seven, and she was playing the violin. She was playing her, her piece from, you know, like whatever beginner book that she was working on at that point in her budding violin career. And um, she made a mistake pretty early on in her piece, and then it kind of got worse from there. And you could see just in her little face that she was, she was crestfallen, she was really distressed. And she made it through to the end, even though it was, it was pretty rough going. And then she just kind of dissolved into tears and she ran to her father. And then she buried her little face in his shoulder and she just stayed there for like the next 45 minutes. And I just remember like looking at her father and looking at the little girl and just thinking like this man um, was made to love her. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's something that's incomparable to other goods. It's not like, oh, yeah, but he might have been able to love more people or different people or more influential people or what? Who? I mean, it's just like in the midst of that moment, it was just very clear to me that this man was made to love this little girl and that this girl knew to the marrow of her bones that she was loved by her dad, that she was safe with her dad, that her problems, you know, which she had experienced very acutely on stage, just went away with her dad. And I think that the love of God makes us to be like that, right? It makes us to occupy a place in which we are conscious of, we are convinced of, we are convicted of the fact that we are made to be here, to be now, to love these people, to love them unto heaven, right? To give testimony to the glory of God at work in our midst. And I think that's, that's awesome. And if we are content to be small and to play our part, yeah, then it, then it can be, well, yeah, I mean, it's just gonna be really wonderful indeed. So that's kind of, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's kind of anecdotal, but yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, a great segue, Father Gregory. Good job to just some <laughs> thoughts on the, in these last few minutes about like practicals of okay. So here, here is who God is. Here is how He He loves us and His creation. Here is how He leads us in His providence and how we are sort of predestined uh, to to live in that love. Um, often these sort of dwelling on questions about like does God love me more or less or sort of sitting on them, be, they, they almost become a stumbling block because um, we begin to worry more about finding an answer to a theoretical kind of question rather than looking at our Lord who is um, just loving us and and wanting us to be with him and to share his life with us. Uh, we, we begin to be more distracted by sort of um, going through kind of an existential evaluation of how it is that we're being loved rather than responding to to the love that is being offered to us, to the graces that are being offered to us. So in a sense, um, and just as with that, that story about the little girl in the violin recital, uh, in a sense, it's like, who cares how well she played the violin? That, you know, that doesn't change the way by which she is loved by her father in the same way. It's like, who cares like our, about our kind of ability to self-evaluate how much God loves us? Um, he loves us enough and more than we can begin to understand. And it, our job is not to evaluate that and then to respond to it, but to simply to be with him and respond to the graces that he's given, giving, uh, regardless of what they are. Because it's in that, in responding to him and being with him um, and, and, you know, giving ourselves to, to know him and to love him better, that we are actually known and loved more truly because we're more receptive to to this knowledge and love that god is offering us so uh that that idea of like the present and i think father jacques philippe in some of his uh books 
uh, about being present in the present reality of grace and of our father's love for us is, is he, he, he's kind of, you know, a great like promoter of this idea that, that the, the reality of our relationship with, with the Lord is found in simply being with him rather than kind of like analyzing him. So, uh, yeah, in a sense, like a practical one oh one, it's like, who cares in some ways about our, our ability to evaluate like where we are in, in relation to God. It's kind of a distraction. I don't know any other yeah. ideas about practicals and how to approach this and him, God, him being, uh, yeah, doing yeah, that yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just final thought would be God, God equips you for the sanctity to which he calls you. So St. Augustine would often repeat, God, give what you command and command what you will. So God gives that which he asks of us and he asks of us what he desires of us. And so for us, the real drama of human life is to respond to the graces that God is actually giving and to respond to them generously. We do that through growth and prudence. We do that through discernment of a very, you know, kind of modest and humble sort. And it'll often mean too, just like, um, yeah, like you said, just being less preoccupied with things of lesser importance or things that aren't real in the same way that the grace of the present moment is real. So yeah, it may be, it may be the case that we have failed to capitalize on past graces. Okay, God be praised. It may be the case that we, um, you know, will never attain to certain future graces that we might imagine at present. Yeah, okay, God be praised. It, it, it may be the case that others with whom we live will be given graces which are more conspicuous or more, you know, noteworthy. Okay, God be praised. Because God's giving me this grace, and that's a grace that I can consent to. That's a grace that I can cooperate with. That's the grace um, that, you know, like the, like the talents which the Lord apportioned, that's a grace that I can multiply um, in whatever ways the Lord sees fit to bring it about. So, yeah, it's just a, a kind of simple abandonment to the present uh, or consent to the present. Yeah. So, you know, the question of does God love me less might be the case. Uh, is that a problem? No, it's not a problem. Uh, so that's kind of the bottom line, the takeaway message. Uh, so that's what we have for you today. Uh, Thanks so much for, for tuning into the episode. Uh, per usual, uh, feel free to share, to like, subscribe, do all of those things. It takes about like, I don't know, three seconds to do it. So if you wouldn't mind, it helps us out a lot. Uh, thanks so much to our supporters, uh, especially our Patreon supporters. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and, and the work of the podcast, feel free to check out our Patreon page, our merchandise page. All of those things um, are super helpful for us and improving the podcast and, and spreading uh, the gospel as we do through this platform. Uh, know that you are certainly in our prayers and we ask your prayers for us too. And until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org. 